The Dimp Digital Network presents The DDT WrestleCast Hello, Apps here from the Dimp Digital Network. Welcome to the DDT WrestleCast. On this edition, we are going to recap and review WWF Royal Rumble 1992. It's that bloody year again, 92, along with SummerSlam, which we've already done. We are here to do the Royal Rumble this time, so working our, our way backwards a little bit. But I'm joined by the main man himself, the expert in the wrestling field, they call him. It's paper. How's it going? Cool. That's a real big, uh, big introduction there. Uh, expert is 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 a strong term for for someone that knows diddly squat, I would say. But um, I'm, I'm yeah, I'm happy to be here to give my unexperted opinions uh, on on the Royal Rumble '92. But yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. It's very hot in the UK today. Fuck uh, me, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm We've got the fan out. I'm sat next to an open door. Um, yeah, come bring back the winter. Yeah, it's really kicked off, and uh, I actually had the loft insulated in like the winter or just before the winter. One of the promises was that the the, the house would be cooler as a result in the summer because it wouldn't let as much heat in. But I don't fucking know. It's the difference. It's bloody <laughs> hot. And then going back to your your point about not being an expert, I would argue you're you're the man the WWE need to convince to be a fan. You're the man on the street who's, who's watched it before, given up on it for various reasons, and if they want to grow their audience, there's no good you know, advertising to people like me who watch almost anything. They need to get people like you involved, busy schedules, and slot their little their little content in so that you can keep up with them. I, I definitely, to some, I wouldn't say expert, but I definitely agree with that sort of assessment. Um, I, I could easily, I can easily get sold into the Tiddlywinks World Championship or the Bowls World Championship if, if you know, I get really suckered in by it. And the BBC have done that uh, many a times over the years, where I've just sat down and started watching something, and a whole day's gone past on some sort of sporting event. So um, yeah, the WWE could 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 swing me in if 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 I you know if if they sold it, if they sold it right. So. Um, uh, much like AEW, um, but yeah, uh, there you go, WWE. There's a challenge for you. Well, they're running out of time because your network subscription trial will be running out in a matter of weeks, and uh, we'll try and squeeze in as much as we can whilst we uh, whilst we have you here. If it does expire, I'm sure there's when there's a will, there's a way. I always say, and, <laughs> and you would always say in the video games that there's always a way, and that is applicable to real life anyway. But 1992. So we watched SummerSlam 92. It was our first episode, actually, where we had Brett versus versus Bulldog in the uh, the main event. Um, we had who else did we have? Ultimate Warrior versus Macho Man and Mr. Perfect and bloody Ric Flair roaring around. But this is at the start of the year 92, and at this stage, they're, they're still only doing four pay-per-views a year. What we would give for that in 2020? Just the four to be looking forward to. Um, but it took place January the 19th, 1992 at the Knicker Box Arena in Albany, New York. New York, obviously a WWF slash WWE stronghold these days. You've seen plenty of rumbles. It's The Royal Rumble itself is almost like a, it's a very well-known uh, match or, or gimmick match that's been running for, for many, many years now. Like non-wrestling fans or at least laps fans, I feel like you can almost sit them down and put on a Royal Rumble and they would sit there and watch it. Um, do you agree with that assessment? And do you think the Rumble still has that bit of glamour? Um, they obviously had back in 92 because in this case, they're actually standing off for the World Championship and that's the winner's um, prize for this particular Rumble. Yeah, and that, that's the amazing thing about that now and we can go back into, we can go into that a bit more detail later on. But in terms of the Royal Rumble, I would say, like, in my head, it's the pay-per-view 
a year I look the most forward to. Mm. Um, I, I, to me, it's it's it, it's the Royal Rumble is more like my Christmas than WrestleMania in the wrestling world. Um, and I think the reason is it's because it's such a unique sort of style match where you can have so much going on that can last for so long, but have so many different sort of storylines throughout it. Yeah, you just can't get that in a normal normal type of match and and this uh, and there's you can just think about this so it's some absolute classic moments over the years um and even to today like like some the royal rumble will get the prestige on terms of like uh, a lot of internet articles written about it in comparison to like i would imagine if you did a uh, comparison to the amount of articles that was written about the royal rumble this year versus i don't know money in the bank you would Royal Rumble would triple it, if not quadruple it, the amount of sort of print that it's got. I remember seeing it on things like Sky Sports or mm. BT and stuff like that, and um, a lot of like um, uh, like like Facebook type groups, I think, it's not Facebook groups, but like Unilad and stuff yeah. like that would always would do uh, stuff on the Royal Rumble. But you know, the other pay views they they just get forget, forgotten about. So I, I definitely feel like it still has its prestige, and even with this year's one with the Drew McIntyre and stuff like that, like I think it had that prestige to it. I I think the other matches are before the Royal Rumble are a bit here or there, and yeah. I, uh, and I don't think people care an awful lot about that. It's always about sort of that Rumble match. Yeah, I'd say especially in this event, the undercard's not. I didn't think it was all that when I watched it. Cool. One, maybe one one or two good matches like the opening match i quite liked but i wasn't sold on a lot of the other matches that were that were running around on there um, but the rumble itself was was very impressive um five matches including the rumble uh, nothing really just that's the normal that's a normal uh raw episode, yeah isn't it? <laughs> well the rumble in this case i think it took i've got the timings here, it's like an hour and bloody two minutes or something so in a yeah. three hour show or a two hour and 45 minute show as they kind of aim for that's quite a big chunk of it gone so i guess you can't really squeeze too many too many matches in um but the the, the key here is like like i mentioned earlier the, the, the wwf world heavyweight championship is on the line which has not been done before and has only been done once since in 2016 uh, essentially hogan was stripped of the title in December for some controversial reasons, all storyline based. And um, they put the the prize of the Rumble up uh, as being the championship. So never has there been more on the line in a Raw Rumble. Um, Let's kick off with the the matches themselves. We kicked off with Owen Hart and Jim Neidhart, who are referred to as the New Hart Foundation, taking on the Orient Express. Now, we love a... We love a... Uh, an opener here. It's one of our favourite type of matches. This one uh, ran pretty long. 17 minutes, 18 seconds is what Dave Meltzer's got it clocked in as. What did you think of this opener? Considering we haven't got much time before we get to the Rumble, which is an hour long, were you surprised to be seeing a, an almost 20-minute opener being dished out? Well, I, I don't know. I guess there's a couple of points on this one. Like, uh, First of all, I... interesting because it was sort of the uh, the introduction sort of to like the, the, the what became the Heart Foundation later mm. on um, and a couple of those 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 type of guys I really really enjoyed this match yeah. Um, yeah. I, I would I would I would have given it quite a, a lot of stars like if you're talking about out of ten maybe seven and a half stars out of ten or something like that it was just a really good match I thought there was a lot to it um, you could definitely tell um, uh, Owen Hart and 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 Jim um, were definitely uh, a step above the rest, and I was yeah. really impressed by like Owen Hart's um, like uh, athleticism and like the air. He did like I, I when I think back to like '92, especially when I remember SummerSlam, there wasn't a lot of like high flying no. stuff and jumping and all that type of stuff. It was very much more sort of ground pound type mat work and stuff like that. But was, though this sort to me was sort of when the door started opening, you could really see the difference between someone like Owen Hart. And, and and I don't know Kato from the, the Orient Express. Yeah. Um, however, I thought like the matchup in itself was really well laid out. There were some really good spots in it as well. I really enjoyed the bit where um, was it Mr. Fuji plays uh, um, what's it called Kane into Kane, the corner, yeah. Yeah. and Owen Owen Hart went straight through that, and it, it really sold it. I'm assuming it was meant to be like that, but really sold it. And um, yeah, I just I just thought like the 17 minutes it was long for what you would probably expect that 
to be. However, I don't think it feel like it went on too long while watching no, the match. I was it really flew by. It. it flew by watching that. It was a, it was a really good match that they put together. And yeah, it's a, it's a very early in Owen's sort of career here. And you're, you're right in saying that you don't. He's much more of a high flyer in comparison to his peers at this time. Later on. Not so much because people, you know, take it a step above. But it's really interesting to see Owen Hart as kind of like the smaller fly flyer in the in the matches, because um, it's not something that people necessarily would immediately remember him for. And um, even did like a, a lucha libre dive through the ropes just before they got the cover. And I was, I was like, I don't remember seeing that in '92, like <laughs> hardly ever. So he was perhaps ahead of his game. I know they back then they were trying to preach less is more, but. Really good opener, like shows off the talent of what Owen and his potential that he went on to have, and and Jim Jim done a good job, and and the Orient Express were a good foil with Mr Fuji, always trying to get that heat with that cane, always causing a problem. So told a good story, liked the finish, and um, yeah, good match to open Wrestle Royal Rumble <laughs> in 1992. We then move on to the Intercontinental Title match now. If we fast forward back to SummerSlam, which we, we reviewed earlier, and which happens later on chronologically, the Intercontinental title is the main event at SummerSlam. It's got Bret Hart versus Bulldog in one of the best matches of 1992. So at that stage, you think, yes, the Intercontinental title's there to put on the best matches for the year. It's an important title. It's, it's coveted. It's, it's well looked after. Yet we go back in time a little bit to Royal Rumble 1992, and we've got Roddy Piper beating the Mountie in 5 minutes 18 seconds. Nothing really wrong with the match, but nothing much happened. I was expecting the Intercontinental title to be carrying the, the undercard, especially when there's a Raw Rumble, for like the best singles wrestling match for the night. But not the case here. Yeah, I, I must admit, when I watched this uh, match... I once it finished, I was thinking, had we, because people that previously listened to us know we we've always spoken about how the intercontinental title's always been held with such prestige, and it feels like recently titles are being pushed through the mud a little bit at WWE. And actually, I looked back at this and thought, have we been looking at it a bit with rose tinted glasses? Because yeah. you know we we were kids back then, and 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 it was it was still somewhat. Because if this was now, we'd be like that was a that was a joke of a match that we we couldn't have believed that. It's, it's an all. It seems like a, and I don't know too much about the backstory. It all happened rather quite quickly. My understanding was that Bret Hart, you know, in the story got sick and then got quickly done over by the Mountie, yeah. and the Mountie then drops it two days later in five minutes at uh, at, at the Rumble. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know whether that was a part of the story. If that was planned story, I think it was pretty poor. And I think as you alluded to later on, the the main title match, which was one of the, if not the best match. Of, uh, 92 was when is Bret Hart versus uh, Bulldog. Bulldog. Mm. So in my head, I'm thinking, well, was Bret Hart really meant to just hold that title yeah. and be on that pay per view? And did he just really get ill and he couldn't do it? And so they went well and quickly swap it over um, because Bret Hart clearly got the title back a couple of months later. And I don't know how he got it back because I've not watched it all because mm. uh, he obviously faced off with Bulldog. So. Um, Maybe they made the best of a bad situation. I don't know. I just yeah, it wasn't a great match. Nothing really happened. Um, what is interesting was it's Roddy Piper's first WWE belt, mm. um, which which I didn't know before that match. Um, you just assume you, that he's won so much. Like I, until you go back and watch it, you kind of assume that he won, won all these titles and he was really successful title wise. But actually, he very rarely had like a, a lot of titles being being put on him. He was he was there for the blood blood feuds and the feuding types to make things personal, have a personal grudge and a feud with someone. The belts didn't seem to matter. He was kind of like a bit of a renegade in that, yeah, it's nice if, the, if there's an intercontinental title on the line, but he's promos, he's the, he's, they're all there to set up an encounter, like a special attraction match. And uh, yeah, for him to be winning the, the intercontinental title in this manner for the first time is, is not what people probably would expect when you think of, of Roddy Piper's career. 
No, no, exactly. And uh, yeah, it, it, it wasn't a great match. Um, I think it was some interesting history with it. It does make me look back and reassess the Intercontinental title and think, have I just been, you know, looking at it incorrectly over all these years? But it, uh, it was a bit like five minutes, not much happening. I It was over quicker than I thought. And then there was a bit of charade at the end where he got, you know, the, the poker, Mounties poker and stuff like that, which was a bit <laughs> strange and... Um, but yeah, yeah, and was it who who was um, Jimmy R came out yeah. with with the Mountie and stuff like that? I just I, I did forget. I must admit, I also forgot how many people Jimmy Hart managed me, back yeah. in '92. Like the amount of and it, and it comes on. With, I think it's which literally the next match or maybe not be the next match, but the one after he's out again, and he also manages the Nasty Boys. So like it's <laughs> it's like I don't know if there's anyone else I'm missing out there, but you know they they really got their money out of Jimmy Hart. Yeah, he was he was certainly very active during this time period, and one of the one of the best to do it was. Even as like a youngster watching SummerSlam '92, which is like one of the, he was always one of the characters I used to always remember, just for his colourful outfits and obviously he used to always have that megaphone with him. Yeah, that megaphone was was, was was a great prop, and you know, it, I I definitely feel like there's uh, and I I sometimes feel that there are wrestlers some wrestlers David they went back and just effectively stole little bits of some other. Yeah wrestlers they could you know bring back some some amazing things and uh, i think we'll probably talk about it in the next um match but yeah like jimmy hart's you know megaphone is one of those things that you think so iconic that you know if someone was to bring it out i'm sure they could have a bit of fun with that yeah absolutely it was five minutes eight and it wasn't it wasn't a classic but there you go like you said it may well have been due to unforeseen circumstances to why this was done um, and it does set up a, a potential match between Roddy Piper and Bret Hart later on down the line, which we may get to one day. Bushwhackers, Beverly Brothers, 15 minutes, 26, another tag team match. In fact, Roddy Piper versus the Mountie was the only singles match on the main card. So that's it now. We've had our singles match fill. We've got two more tag matches before we get to the Rumble. But we're talking about Bushwhackers and Beverly Brothers. Bushwhackers always memorable because of their gimmick. Like I don't think anyone who watched any of the early 90s stuff would not be able to name the Bushwhackers as a tag team. Um, but what's this like watching it almost 30 years later? Are they, does it still hold up their, their gimmick or is it, you know, you look back and think, good God, what are they doing? No, I, I fucking loved it. I, I enjoy, <laughs> I, 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 uh, yeah, I loved the, 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 the walks of the ring. I, I do feel like there were some parts looking back and think, well, they don't need to go on that much about it. So for example, when they got into the ring and they went around to all four sides doing their, you know, arms up in the air and stuff like that. Yeah. But like, I really, really do enjoy their, their walks, their ring and their, their gimmick. And they, who do they have with them? The Jamison and stuff like that. Yeah. And, um, uh, I, yeah, I did enjoy it and I enjoyed that, you know, when they got into the ring, they, they sort of kept character as well. And when they'd go between moves, just little things that they would keep the arms going a little bit and stuff like that. Uh, I thought it was a really sort of, it was a nice USP. Uh, it was clearly saying the fans could get behind it. And it was just, I, I felt like it was a bit of fun. Um, they were never going to be the greatest team because of it. Uh, but yeah, as you said, I think like if you probably talk to people that, that watched, or even with just casual wrestling, which is back right. in the early 90s, they're going to remember, more people remember the Bushwhackers than the Beverly Brothers, for example. Um, so not saying the Beverly Brothers weren't memorable to people that did watch it a lot. I just think the Bushwhackers had that gimmick that people just automatically think to, like the warrior and he's like, yeah. uh, oh, these dangles or Macho Man and his hat or yeah. Sting and his face paint, you know. These are the gimmicks that saw, you know, resonate in people's mind. And, and the Bushwhackers, yeah, walk with their arms. Definitely, they definitely lick, was They memorable. lick each other as well. So Yeah, wouldn't work in today's coronavirus world. No, but, no, know. absolutely not. I'm sure there's an earlier event I watched where they tried to, like, lick a kid from the crowd. I could be wrong. It was wrong. this event. It was this event. Oh, it was this I one, saw, was it? I saw, no, they, they, they definitely licked a kid in the crowd. Because yeah. I was thinking, that's America. Surely they're going to get sued. <laughs> But um, I did see that. I'm thinking that's weird, you know. Okay, no, you can't, can't get away with that. But, you know, early 90s is a different world. What, what did you think of the match itself? It ran 15 minutes. Um, uh, I, like it, was, it or it, not very good? I thought it was about twice as long as it should be. Oh, yeah. it, like, it was like there were, there, were, there were points in the match where uh, I think twice the Bushwhackers cleared out the ring and then they did their stomp around the ring and stuff like that. I felt like... You only do, do it that once, once yeah. really. <laughs> do it once. Like, don't do it twice and stuff like that. And um, but like, so they could have definitely 
cooled it down a bit. I like the whole little bit of interaction where they had the Jameson and the genius and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, little bits like that. That's what to me makes the the nineties, early nineties wrestling, early nineties wrestling. So I like that type of stuff. Uh, but yeah, like in terms of pure all in out wrestling, it probably could have just, you know, half that match and they would have probably and given that to uh, roddy and uh, the mountie <laughs> yeah yeah oh yeah they could certainly have done with it so here's a little bit of analysis from dave Meltzer and the wrestling observer he quotes this match was so long and so bad it would give most shows a thumbs down all by itself minus one and a half stars bit harsh <laughs> cool yeah like uh may, maybe on wrestling ability i i, I tend to, to tend to agree i as i said i might be looking at this with with my rose tinted glasses and i've not watched the bushwhackers in like 20 plus years and so i might just be enjoying that that element of it if i was watching that week in week out i might be scoring it the same like uh match wise I, I really as i said earlier i remember them clearing out the ring twice but i can't really remember much else what happened yeah i know yeah. watched it two days ago <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's weird that the the longer matches like this can become forgettable. Like your mind, I find that my mind just wanders sometimes. I'm not really taking in what's going on, and that may well have been the case with the Beverly Brothers against the Bushwhackers. Final tag team of the evening before we get into the Royal Rumble: Natural Disasters versus the Legion of Doom. This is a tag team title match, so the second title match of the evening. What did you make of this? Seen a bit of Legion of Doom. We remember the natural disasters because they were big fuckers as well. But a clash of two very memorable tag teams here. Yeah, I I, I agree. And this is when the problem... No, it's not a problem, but you got bigger guys here and so it's yeah. going to be more less you know what we mentioned earlier less is more and stuff like that that actually they had in the early so early 90s in, in in wwe or wwf um and and definitely less is 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 more here there's a lot more you know little bits lot bumps or you know yeah. bumping into each other and not moving just to show how strong they are and all this type of stuff and uh, and um like you know, Hawk taking a beating and just about at, when, when Animal gets into the ring going and stir crazy, which is sort of typical uh, Legion of Doom and stuff like that. They, uh, we all know their gimmick with the sort of, you know, the, I don't know, the pads with the spikes on yeah. and stuff like that. It's, it's, uh, it's, they're both very memorable. Both, the match in itself was, was all right. It was, it was, I, I didn't really expect too much from it going into no, it and, no. and it didn't, it, it, it didn't give me too much either. I, I, if I'm being honest, out of all the finishes, this is the one I dislike the most out of oh, the yeah. whole pay-per-view. Yeah. It just sort of, it did one, it was a count out, but it didn't feel like 10 seconds. And at no point did ever any, like, so suddenly, I, I, know, I know, so if you're going to usually have a count out in a wrestling match, usually you'll have the cameras you know, going, what? And you go, oh, it's, it's coming, they better get into the ring and stuff like that. But that, you didn't know that was happening. Suddenly, it's just the bell was rung and it's like, oh, and you had to let the commentators explain. Oh, yeah. there's, there's been a count out. And, and so I just thought it was a bit... Count. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it was just um, a bit poorly executed. Um, and uh, yeah, is uh, obviously, once again, because we'd watched SummerSlam, which is a, a pay-per-view in, uh, I don't know, six months' time after this one, yeah. um, you, you know that I'm my I sh- that that um, the natural disasters have the tag team belt, so I'm assuming after this, this sparks off some rivalry where they believe they have to have the belts, which they did a promo about afterwards, yeah. which was you know quite nice and stuff like that. But uh, and I'm assuming they end up getting the belts of the Legion of Doom at some point, uh, probably at WrestleMania or something like that. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a bit you know a bit a bit of a meh match and with a bit of a disappointing finish, if I'm being honest. Yeah, here's, here's Meltzer's notes. This was actually the best match I've seen these four have, but that says more about how bad the other matches have been. It, it was okay until the cheap finish where everyone was brawling on the floor and Typhoon got in to beat the count. With all the time they spent on booking the rest of the car, they must have spent the time it takes between bites of a roast beef sandwich to come up with this finish. One and a half stars, so not the not the highest rate. He's... My stars actually go up to seven now, but back here we're sort of operating on a five-star basis, so not the uh, not the best rating ever. He, but... He's he's not liking this pay-per-view so far. The be- I don't know what he scored the uh, the the heart match and the the Mountie match, but he, he wasn't wasn't happy about the Beverly Brothers or the Natural Disaster match. Heart match got three and a quarter stars. Yeah, that's M- Mountie got good. a star and three quarters, probably because it was. 
so 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 far we're going like yeah Mertz is uh he's not he's not happy so far going through this so he's 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 pinned he's, he's put his hopes on the the rumble i guess yeah and and in my opinion it really drags not out of the mud but it puts this rumble in levels of infamousy i've seen a lot of raw rumbles in my time i hadn't seen this until recently and this in my opinion is my favorite or the best raw rumble um i bloody love this rumble i don't know why i don't know whether it's just because Ric Flair is just the absolute Iron Man throughout it. I don't know whether it's because Bobby Heenan is just ridiculously funny and good on the on the on the commentary, like almost pleading with Gorilla Monsoon, saying that if if Ric Flair wins it, he'll start behaving. He won't be a bad guy. Like he just he's so biased to wanting Ric Flair to win that I wanted him to win, and Ric Flair comes in at number three. Obviously, we get into how it all finishes, but by hook or by crook. He ends up walking away as the winner for the 1992 Raw Rumble and takes home the WWF World Heavyweight Championship. What was your thoughts on this Raw Rumble? Yeah, I, I much like you. I, uh, I, I. This was the first time I'd ever watched this Raw Rumble. Yeah. Uh, I probably haven't seen as many as you, but I've seen a, my fair share over the years. Um, and yeah, it's definitely up there as one of my favourite all in all rumbles like there's other rumbles where there's you know moments that i can remember but this one there were just there was just and i think it was the whole fact of flair the storyline of flair lasting an hour in it so uh, you know there was a massive storyline going through the whole rumble that's from pretty much from the start to the finish yeah. and there was like several mini storylines going on around that and each of those mini storylines had their own sort of um their, their own little you know little quirks to it and stuff like that there was uh, one thing i found really interesting this isn't a bad thing at all or a good thing in the, this racing or anything was they obviously at that point they didn't have uh entrance music when people came in no, yeah. after the first two so the first two got their entrance music and after that point no one did and no. um that that to me was a bit 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 i t- just took me a little bit by surprise but um yeah it's uh it, i i really did enjoy it uh it was it, and as I said, there's lots of little stories throughout, and I'm assuming we're going to sort of walk our way through that rumble now. Yeah, no, it was um, it was it's a great rumble, runs for just over an hour, like I said. The only minor criticism I have as an overall thing is, if you're going to have Flair win it, and you're and you're going to put Flair in early, like number three comes in, why not just put him at number one and make it like the ultimate, um, you know, achievement. Like coming at three, obviously super, super impressive. But imagine if he'd been drawn number one, went through the lot and won the belt at the end of it. I just think it would have added just an extra little cherry on top of what was already a very good cake. I think uh, looking at it, and I think a lot of that might lead to comments. No one from one to five had ever made it to the, you know, the five no. in one of the final. And I think they, they thought, well, you know, if we stick him in at three, you know, then we still got you know two numbers to sort of play with over the years uh, and didn't I wasn't maybe they were actually Matt. thinking about things back then long term rather than like yeah, next exactly. week like they do now <laughs> and maybe they just thought you know well look we'll have a massive moment here and we can still have massive moments in the future though if i'm correct in thinking and correct me if i'm wrong didn't mcmahon get the first one of being one in and and he was and winning it he was number two. Oh, that was it I austin was got, one austin. and he was two yeah and um, yeah. he threw Austin over at the end. You know, it's actually quite a good yeah. rumble in the end. But it's interesting you should say that about the numbers actually, because when I was doing some research for the episode, um, there's a note here about Bobby Heenan's autobiography called Bobby the Brain. Uh, he mentions in his autobiography that it was his initial suggestion that Flair enter the rumble at number one for dramatic purposes, and that Vince McMahon changed it to number three, um, and then claimed it was his own idea. So that's what Bobby's written in his autobiography. So he wanted him at number one. He says Vince changed it to number three so he could lay claim to that being um, his his own idea. Um, oh, I, I, you know, the, you hear these stories that they come out of WWE over the years <laughs> and it's my idea, no, it's his idea, da 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 da. Um, and uh, I think it's here or there at the end of the day. It doesn't really matter whose idea it was. I think it just created a, 
uh, a good moment and uh, you know i i did i think it was uh, fantastic he lasted over an hour and back yeah. then that was you know seen as this massive fee uh, and so i i think it was all really good i, I as i said there were so many interesting storylines i i really enjoyed the bulldog storyline in it yeah. like i didn't one of the things i didn't realize going into this rumble was actually um because the only sort of from 92 thing that i really watched was obviously summer sam so bulldog was going to be massively over there but yeah. like i didn't realize actually how much the baby face bulldog was um and then when he came in the crowd they loved him and i was like oh and so uh they hate and Ted DiBiase, who comes in at two so they've got yeah. a good, good starting two there exactly and actually I, I think pretty much for like the first sort of 10 to 15 guys like it, it very much felt like there was a lot of hills coming in or a lot of people that yeah. that, that you know until i think it's still sort of like piper came in like there wasn't anyone that you know got people really really excited maybe the texas typhoon at one point came in i think people uh he was quite uh he was quite over babyface at that time but um uh but yeah like i i enjoyed like that element and because like when that starts going off you start thinking oh how excited as i said i hadn't watched it i knew bulldog hadn't won a rumble before yeah. but i was like oh does he go quite far through this and stuff like that and then he goes out halfway through and to me i think the way I sort of looked at this rumble was sort of split into two. There was sort of the point where, well, I sort of maybe sort of three sections. There was, there was sort of like the the point, the first sort of chapter where up to where Bulldog then gets out, and then suddenly the ring gets cleared out again yeah. at that point. Uh, and then there's like this sort of second chapter where there's you got the middle part uh, where there's a couple of guys coming in and out, and then you got to the final chapter where you know everyone's out and there's i think about eight guys left in the ring um and you've suddenly got you know the the story the the bits between uh, and the, actually in that middle part was i would say was that part with uh, macho man and uh jake the snake which i thought was a great little bit so there was that bit that was really interesting bit where jake uh not jake uh, macho man jumped over the top yeah. and eliminated himself and they've clearly had to think on the fly and go oh no he's still in it because he, he chucked himself out it doesn't count um uh which was all a bit strange i thought because i thought he's definitely out yeah. um but uh, i think like the referees pushed him back in and then then the commentators went oh yeah it's because he because he wasn't thrown out uh but that was like an interesting part of the storyline um and then you've got the final chapter where i i think comes in from once like sort of like hogan and all that is, is is in the ring and you've got like oh this is it hogan's gonna you know get the title and all stuff like that and then yeah. suddenly there's this storyline between uh Hogan and and Sid Justice and uh, I thought that was a nice little storyline and then Flair gets sort of like the cheap shot and I guess that that was the original well you could probably look back and think that was the very first sort of like rumble cheat shot of you know winning the, that rumble somehow they you know some looking over getting getting chucked over but yeah I, I really enjoyed it there's so many different little storylines you had Roddy Piper in there thinking is he going to get his double title um, uh, and, and yeah there's there just a bunch of other things going on which was quite nice yeah the Randy Savage thing was stupid because later on in the Rumbles, I think I'm pretty sure I've seen Kane go over the top rope to chase someone and it counts as elimination. So at this point, they obviously, you know, I don't know if they'd thought it through whether he, he done it by mistake or, or what, but a bit sloppy there. And I guess they, they changed the rule going forward. That it doesn't matter how you go over the top rope. If you go over it and your feet touch the floor, you're done with. Yeah, because th- I'm pretty sure he did try to walk away, like as if he had eliminated himself, you know. And I thought, you know, that's quite a nice storyline. He eliminated himself because yeah, he, he he's wanted this just yeah, yeah. Uh, and stuff like that. And I thought, oh, that make- makes sense because all he cares about is you know getting revenge on him. Um, but then when yeah, they, the ref sort of like pushed him back in. And the, the funny thing was, like, I was like, maybe he's got another part to play in this Rumble storyline. But he doesn't. He seems to just be curled up in the corner for the most of it. <laughs> yeah, um, so I was like. Yeah, exactly. So I, I don't know what he sort of brought to that to the rest of the rumble apart from after that point. Um, but yeah, so I think you know that was probably the only part of the rumble that I thought yeah it was a bit bit dubious, a bit strange. But um, yeah, apart from that, like I, I really really enjoyed it. And as you said, the whole sort of flair. I, so, and I think maybe sometimes we we. I don't know. We like an anti-hero over here in the UK as well. Um, and Flair is definitely that type of character that you sort of love to hate a, a, yeah. a, a bit. And so um, to see him win it as well and, and it not to be Hogan, because we, we also hate someone that just gets all the glory, um, was, was was definitely good. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, if you think about it, we watched Starcade 83. So like just, just under nine years on, we see Flair at it again. And he hasn't missed a beat. He's probably in his close to his prime. I think I don't know I don't know when Ric Flair's prime was. It seems like it went on for decades in all honesty. But um interesting to see him in a different environment because he didn't stick around in the WWF very long in this initial run. 
probably a year, maybe less than a year. So he wasn't around very long um, during this period, but great to see Flair come out on top. Any any little dark horses, any other wrestlers that you like come in that had some good spots or any little surprise packages that you kind of looked at and thought, bloody hell, he looks different. Maybe someone like Bossman, for example, because he would have been wearing all his blue stuff rather than his, his black Attitude Era gear. But any other... Um, any wrestling or, or wrestlers in their spots that you enjoyed? I, do you know what? And it, it wasn't purely a wrestling, but I really enjoyed the the promo that they did before the Rumble, yes. where they you know you had about seven or eight different wrestlers that just gave a, a quick promo to the camera, and they cut through them all. And I thought, oh, that's brilliant! That suddenly gives me a great idea of r- people that are in the Rumble, and you know, sort of where you know what their mindsets like or what they're trying to. It's like them trying to sell their character a little bit. And it's yeah. I'd imagine that type of thing is brilliant for someone that, as you said, you know, might not watch much wrestling. Uh, and then they're like oh the rumble's on and you know let's let's watch the rumble because it's you know that that way inclined uh, and suddenly you, you you're up there you know you know who the baby faces are you know who the the, the who's heel and stuff like that and like i i really enjoyed I, to be fair i enjoyed most of their promos i enjoyed repo man for some strange reason i don't know why <laughs> um bring, bring repo man back is is, is probably the, the the next thing but um but yeah like that i think that yeah, that I, I definitely enjoyed that that part of uh, the, the the build up to the, the the rumble itself. Yeah, they've done, they've done a good job of that. What did you think of Sid Vicious? Uh, Sid, Sid Justice. He has been Sid Vicious. He's been Psycho Sid. They, all sorts of Sids he's been over the <laughs> years, but he's um he's he's, he's he's he does quite a lot of damage during this rumble. And like one of the storylines is the friction building between Sid and Hogan, who at the time kind of both baby faces and not one of them really wants to dishonor the other but obviously it's every man for himself and the WWF championship is what's at stake so eventually someone cracks what do you think of his little journey throughout um throughout the rumble because he certainly made an impact yeah i really enjoyed it i to me he he felt like you know he when he came to the ring it felt like he was the strongest yeah. bloke in there and and his character was was you know like I'm just trying to and compare it to someone today, but someone like, uh, I don't know, in AEW, like a Lance Archer or someone that's just going to run yeah. through everyone. Um, and, and you, you look and think, well, he's scary. You want to get on the wrong side of him. And actually I, I thought more so than, than, than Hogan. And when Hogan came to the ring, yeah. um, and as you said, he, he, he had a quick little run and he got some, some, some names out quite quickly when he got in there. Um, I, I, th- I quite, I enjoyed it. And I enjoyed, you know, that, as you said both baby faces they, the crowd were loving both of them when they came to the ring um, him and Hogan and I, I, I enjoyed that little bit of friction at the end the only the only part of me that annoyed me a little bit was it didn't allow Ric Flair to have his moment I thought yeah. like, there could have been there could have been a better moment with Ric Flair in the middle of that ring you know going crazy over having that title and you could have had you know uh, Sid and Hogan going up the ramp arguing or something like that you know really sort of let you know cementing that there's this, this thing but it, it felt like even though Flair had won the title, that Hogan couldn't stop being centre of attention. Yeah. I think that's all what they've sort of, I got the feeling at the end of that rumble. Yeah, it did take the shine off Flair's victory. He's he, Obviously, Flair at this point's a, a heel, so you don't really need that big celebration. But having said that, it's quite clear that what the narrative is, and it's all about Sid and Hogan now coming to loggerheads. Like, Hogan, obviously, the, the super over and immortal that had been running the show for close to a decade at this point and then Sid who looks the fucking business huge great great physique just monstrous presence and who you might think actually could he could he be the next Hogan at this time I mean he didn't go go on to be the next Hogan at all I don't kind of I think um doesn't quite fulfill his potential apparently there's a rumor going around that he would get injured every year at a specific time of year because he liked playing softball like when the season started, so he would he would fake an injury, go off for a few months, and go and play softball. So I'm not sure wrestling was his first love. It sounds like he pays the bills, yeah. Yeah, it pays the bills, but he was more interested in in doing that. But yeah, this is this is obviously setting up the the slow build. I think they're trying to slowly turn Sid into a heel. Um, he's returning, like I said, he's returning from a recent injury anyway, probably softball related again. And uh, he, was, he was among the final four, so we had Hogan, Savage, and Flair. And then Justice eliminated Savage and then Hogan, leaving himself and Flair in the ring. 
Now, what's interesting is a note here on Wikipedia, and again, don't know how true this is, could be complete bullshit, but it says, during the initial live pay-per-view broadcast, Justice's elimination of Hogan was loudly cheered by the audience in attendance, even though per storyline plans, Sid sneaked up on behind of him and threw him out. As such, the original reaction was edited out of future television replays as well as the Coliseum home video releases of the event. With play-by-play commentator Gorilla Monsoon adding new comments condemning Sid for his actions. So there's a little bit of post-production going on to to try and get Sid as the heel and and Hogan as the the true babyface. What a strange thing to do. Yeah, the thing is, it's like you, you say it like that. I, 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 and you often hear these stories around how Hogan, much like the same stories that came out, like Triple H tried to like sort of semi own, oh, you know, yeah. uh, and have real control over the narrative of who came up and who they were working with and stuff like that. And you just wonder if, if any of that was down to sort of Hogan not then liking that reaction and saying, "Oh, you need to make sure that doesn't go out like protect that." Me, protect uh, me, yeah, yeah, it, exactly. It, it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me. Also, I think it's it's quite evident that. WWE and WWF have always wanted it to be they're telling this story and if the crowd don't start enjoying it they will still tell that story regardless <laughs> like I've seen it countless times with wrestlers over the like Roman Reigns is like the, the recent example of someone who they wanted to push to baby face who the fans rejected and booed a bit like Cena but Cena was a little bit more you know he's hugely popular anyway but but Roman Reigns, they tried to get over as a babyface too soon. Fans rejected it, and yet the WWF, rather than or WWE, rather than embracing the fact that you could actually have quite a hot heel on the hands, still put him in as a babyface week in week out, which is is a strange thing to be doing. Um, this is evidence just there. One thing they always say about Hogan is that you can always tell when he's lying. Like if you ever watch an interview of him about certain situations or. Um, you know, hot, tough questions in his career, whatever they'll say. You can always tell when Hulk Hogan's lying. His lips How? move. Cool. So, it's because he's talking. Yeah. See. <laughs> That's a quote. He's always lying. He's always. He's always, lying. Like, he's always moving his lips when he's talking. He can't be. Um, he cannot be trusted. <laughs> Just true. ask his ex-wife. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> really shot him down there. <laughs> um. Any other moments from the Rumble that you want to call out? And after that, I want to give you a short quiz on the Rumble and see how, how close you get to some of the answers. Cool, bloody hell. Um, I don't think so. I, as I said, like I think that my I enjoyed the 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 whole sort of you know start to finish it. Sort of the hour seemed to go really quickly. Um, I I as I did enjoy a lot of the the bulldog stuff early on. I, I enjoyed that yeah. part of the rumble. Uh, I thought I thought in terms of sort of pure and pure sort of wrestling, that was the better part of the rumble. Um, you had a lot of you know uh, uh, you know uh, good back and forth for that part. Especially they were getting people out, so the, the ring wasn't so crowded. And then you had yeah. it'd be bulldog and flair again and stuff like that. So that was an interesting part of the storyline. Um, and as I said. I I, I don't think maybe enough was made of the Roddy Piper come when he came in. Cause there was mentioned that I oh, could be, but I thought maybe it would get further down. And then he was suddenly, I think he was eliminated at the same time as, as it Rick Martell, um, him and Rick Martell. I think I might be wrong. Oh, here, I know. Yeah, sure. Martell was just before him. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then or I think went. he went up. Uh, yeah. He went over with, yeah, with, some, with someone, but yeah, like, like another one, like, and there was, Mate, I, I, you know, I they could have made a few more things like with Rick Martel trying to get Flair out, so, you know, he so he didn't beat his record and stuff like that. Yes, but like, of course, overall, I forgot about that one. Yeah, because it was like forty-five minutes, and I think Martel came in at like forty minutes, so Martel would have known Rick Flair was going to be close to being his record. Yeah. But apart from that, um, I, is, I think you said it is a solid Rumble, if not one, probably up there in in the top three of all time. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, uh, you know, do, I, 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 I think. Um, you know, today's Rumbles probably could learn uh, a few things by going back to the, some of those in the past. There, there's some definitely good parts about them. Yeah. So here's a little quiz. Nothing too difficult. We'll start off with something cool. nice and easy. It's, it's worth putting out there that, you know, I, I'm not very good on quizzes when it comes to the dim digital you'll, you'll uh, get, network. <laughs> you're not. No, you've struggled in the past with our gaming quiz, that's for sure. Um, nice, easy one. You'll get this one. Who spent the longest time in the Rumble? Oh, that's Flair. Exact the Ding 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 ding. Point. Okay, okay, that's sort of that was just an easy, that was a bit of a gimme. So let's start with the real questions. 
Who spent the second most amount of time in the Rumble, other than Flair? Because Flair's too obvious. So I I know Bulldog did a good sort of 20 minutes before he got eliminated. Um, and I think it would have been... And then Piper came in, and Piper was in for quite some time. So I'm going to think it would either be between Piper or Bulldog. I'm going to say it's Piper. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Bulldog was in for 23 minutes, 33 seconds. And Piper was in for 34.06, so actually 10 minutes more than God, Bulldog. God, that's a lot longer, yeah. But, was he? Um, was, was Bulldog second longest in or third he, longest no, in? No, he wasn't. He was not. Um, right. Any ideas who that was? It's someone who we haven't mentioned, actually. Or someone who we haven't mentioned. No. Um, I, you know, you what, know I, who I, he I, is. It's not just some I, random toot that you've not heard of before. Yeah, I, I, yeah, my, my head's lost. You saw him um, wrestle at SummerSlam 92. I, yeah, I, no, it could be Macho Man, surely. No, not Macho Man. Um, he was 22 minutes, so he wasn't far off. Yeah, no, I don't know. It was IRS, unbelievably. Oh, <laughs> IRS was going quite a long time. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I remember at points, in, you know, people pulling his tie over to try and get him over. <laughs> yeah. uh, sometimes, I always forget, seem to forget about IRS, but, he, you know, I think he's probably, I'd probably say he's probably one of my favourite underrated wrestlers uh, of all yeah, times. Agreed. Uh, having watched back, uh, you know, I've said the story, but I watched things from like WrestleMania up until the Attitude Era, like all the pay-per-views. And every time I saw IRS, he was always in a good match. He was, he was underrated. Great. Yeah, massively. Great, great performer and, and, and great wrestler. Um, who got the most amount of limit eliminations in the Rumble? I think this... This could be, could be Bulldog. Um, I'm just, just rattling my head. To, there was large periods where, you know, no one sort of went. And I'm just trying to think if there was, you know, Sid Justice came in and cleared up a little bit. But there, was, there didn't seem to be anyone that really got into the groove. I'm pretty sure Bulldog got about four or five. So I'm going to go Bulldog. Bulldog got three eliminations, uh. which, which was not enough to put him on that list. Who, oh, is it not even close to being one of the top? Uh, he's not far off, but he's not. He's not in the top three. He's uh, oh. he's not in the top three. The the top boy was Sid Justice. Got six. Oh, six really in that sort of quick turnaround, crikey. Yeah, he weren't in there long, but he fucking came in and wiped a load of people out, um, which was good. Second was Flair with five. So he got over his hour. I mean, you expect him to accumulate those, I guess, over time, wouldn't you? Yeah. Those eliminations, so that's no no surprise there. Um, and then of course, you know Hogan can't be left out of the spotlight, so he got four <laughs> eliminations and took the the bronze medal position, um, which was funny. Any idea who was eliminated the quickest? Who was eliminated the quickest? So who was spent oh, the least amount of time in there? There, there was, you know, and there was a few that uh, wrestlers that I didn't recognise their names. Um, oh, what I. When you say it, I, it will it will come back to me. Uh, actually, it's just reminded me. It wasn't Hacksaw Jim Duggan, but I just it's just it's just a thought of Hacksaw when he came to the ring, just popped into my head, and how how good he was in the Rumble. Oh, he got twenty um, minutes, yeah, he done well. Yeah, uh, I was going to say I don't think we, we we haven't spoken about him, and he he, he was he was a good character in this year in that year's Rumble as well. Was you there um, at that Raw taping we went to, or the or the dark or the house show where Hacksaw? This was in two thousand and eight or nine, where Hacksaw was come made his comeback and he wrestled a match. Do you remember? I don't know if he was on the show that we went to together, um, but I definitely saw him <laughs> wrestle in like 2008. Uh, I, I think I did. And I think, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure I was there. Though I, yeah, you know, we was pissed, I, weren't we? Yeah, it was, it was, pretty, it was pretty smashed. Um, so uh, I know who I was thinking about. You got the uh, uh, the the Russian bloke Nick 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 Nikolai Nikolai Volkov. Was is he? He's very close. He's oh. off. he's six seconds off. Um, it was Hercules. Oh fuck me! I've forgotten about Hercules. Yeah, fifty-six Crikey, seconds he lasted. Volkov was one minute three, so he was not far off at all. So so I've I've just. Actually, I've just typed in now and just got up a list of names. Not not anything that answer any of these questions, but a list of names of, of people that were in this this rumble. And I've just the amount of names that we've just forgotten, we've just not spoken about. Like, sure, Michaels uh, is in it. 
Shawn Michaels, Taker, we've not mentioned. Taker's in it, yeah. Yeah, like there was, there was, there was loads of people in, in here, like Sergeant Slaughter. Was in it. Yeah, Virgil. Yeah, yeah. Like there was just yeah, there was some some good some good talent in this one. Anyway, back to the questions. I'm, yeah, no, that's intrigued. it. That's that's all I've got for you. So ah. <laughs> I've got a couple of them as expected, but um, yeah, that's the the Royal Rumble 1992. Just going to cap it off of what Meltzer thought of it. This year's Royal Rumble was certainly one of the best WWF pay-per-view shows ever. I gave it a thumbs up without question. The undercard was a slight thumbs down, but the Rumble itself more was more than enough to, to change that. I thought overall the show... I thought, I thought as an overall show, the last year's Rumble from a wrestling content was an excitement perspective was significantly better. Um, however last year's show with them exploiting the, the war so heavily handedly left a bad aftertaste basically they was doing the gulf war at that time and they had um who the fuck did they have in i think the iron sheik was knocking around and oh, sergeant right. slaughter they did all that stuff basically um but this year's rumble match itself was a lot better than last year's rumble match which i didn't matt which i didn't think was possible um but yeah so a thumbs up there for from Meltzer. It sounds like the rumble dragged it through the mud for him. But what about you? Royal Rumble 1992, does it get close to matching, let's say, SummerSlam 92, which obviously has an advantage of it being the first event that, we, that we'd that we watched and it being set in the UK and it having Bulldog in the main event winning the Intercontinental title. So it's probably not going to be able to match up to that. But if we take the blinkers off for a second, 92 is a pretty good event in my view. 92 is a good year. Good yeah, year like... as well. Yeah, sorry, yeah, Royal Rumble. <laughs> but I was thinking back to this, actually. The 1992, I, I can remember vividly three of the events, one of them being the Rumble and obviously SummerSlam because we've watched them. But um, WrestleMania is really good. The only one I haven't got a handle on is Survivor Series. But certainly three out of the four events, I would say, are good events. And yeah. Royal Rumble 1992 is no different here. It's a, it's a good year and it's kicked things off in the right manner. And I think it just shows you what, you, like, you don't have to get every match on the card right. And I think actually, no. you know, 92, like the, the uh, SummerSlam and the Rumble showed us, you don't have to have fantastic matches the whole way through. You just need to make sure that your big matches matter, uh, uh, matter a lot and deliver. And, you know, you don't start off on, on a shitter as well. I, and I think we, we, we speak about this a lot. Just, you know, just don't kick it off on a shitter. Don't get me bored from the get go and um, kick it off and, you know, get me interested in, in a, in a good, good, good wrestling match. And, uh, uh, and, and then, yeah, you're there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, that's it for Royal Rumble 1992. We will be back, well, I'll be back definitely next week to review AEW Double or Nothing. I was supposed to be in Vegas as we speak, <laughs> cool. watching, watching that this weekend, but obviously not happening because of uh, COVID-19. But I'll be watching it this weekend. I'm assuming you will, um, and that maybe you'll, you'll join me on next week's show to review Double or Nothing. But um, quick thoughts. I know you've not seen Dynamite from this week because we get screwed over in the UK. It don't fucking air over here till Friday night. I have to pay to watch it early, five bucks a month. But um, is that it? I might might just do that. You know, in the amount of times I just wait and think. You know, like even now I went on YouTube and I saw a, a thumbnail, thumbnail or something, and yeah. I was like, for fuck's sake, that's ruined Dynamite for me, um, or as I definitely ruined a part of it. So yeah, I I, I just need to get on that bandwagon and pay that fiver. Yeah. And I get the pay-per-views for that as well, don't I? Nah. No. Oh. So that's the that's the stinker of it. But <laughs> how how are you fix for for double or nothing? Looking forward to it, or I'm a little bit apprehensive only because it's obviously empty arena stuff, and you know it would have been nice to have a big crowd there. We're not that's not the era we're in at the moment, but um, they're going full-blooded for their for their pay-per-view still, and, and it, they've obviously had to change plans, but um, they're still going ahead with it, and you know they're setting up some. I'd say reasonably interesting storylines, but it feels like a little bit of a, a B tier event at the moment. Yeah, I, I know I know what you mean. It feels like like if this if they had the crowds there, they'd done was it the the blood match that we're gonna do or paper not blood and the paper view blood and guts they were gonna do. There could have been some really nice stuff setting up into this yeah. and I do I do think wrestling 
does suffer from not having the crowds there, the live reactions and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, as time's gone on, I've sort of not got used to it, but, I, you know, I've accepted it uh, to a certain extent. And, you know, I can appreciate the product without it and stuff like that. And so I'm just in, enjoying what, what what people are able to try and bring to it in that, that case. So I, as I said, probably not as excited as I would be if there was a full crowd and people go crazy um, because you... I, there's lots of rumors flying around the mill that you know um that that you know sting might turn up in AEW at the moment mm. uh, and uh, uh because he's uh, only because his contracts out at wwe uh, like every time someone's contracts out at wwe yeah. and i've not watched like, dynamite and whether something like that happens but like if, if i'm AEW, i'm not going to bring sting into the fold on an empty arena because you want him to turn up when when that arena's full yeah. and pumping yeah. uh, because suddenly that crowd you will only get that crowd reaction once yeah. uh, and i and, and you just have to look at the matt hardy entrance to think wow that and brody you know, lee i feel sorry for both of them yeah, coming over yeah. and they've had to do it in an empty arena which definitely new neuters like the initial impact they can make so exactly and so like if it, i do feel a bit bit so i'd hope they you know the AEW if they've got any big things lined up that, that they might just try and hold back and therefore maybe but mike tyson he's going to be presenting that, the tnt belt yeah see that's that, that, they paid him for that <laughs> I've, exactly like you you wonder uh, that whether Mike Tyson was originally meant to present that belt and actually was it meant to be some other part of the storyline and they've had to change it last minute yeah. to just to, to cope with the COVID stuff. But, um, uh, you know, it's one of those things, actually, it's a, it's a, it's a good old WWE uh, ploy, isn't it, that um, use a famous face that will drag people in that, yeah. you know, don't normally watch it. And so AEW have done that with Mike Tyson. If hit him at a hot street, not a hot street, but he's been in the news lately, Tyson, because there's been rumours of him making a comeback there's that viral video of him fucking devastating those pads at whatever age he is. So in like the boxing space and in like the casual space, because everyone knows who Mike Tyson is, like he's actually a decent name to be attached to your, your card or your event at the moment. So whether they intentionally planned it after this sort of little boost he's had or whether it was always in the works, I don't know. But the timing's pretty good for them. Um, it'll certainly bring over a few eyeballs who are probably interested in seeing what 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 my Iron Mike will do. I, doubt, I hope he doesn't get involved near the matches, but <laughs> it's just there to present the belt, and uh, he can't be trusted on the mic. He'll he'll definitely say something, and it'll be awful, but he won't. <laughs> I've got a feeling he might he might drag down the TNT Championship ceremony, whoever, <laughs> whoever he hands it out to. But yeah, it'd be interesting to see see what his uh, his role is and how they utilise him. Um, obviously. Back in 98, he was the big figure at WrestleMania when Austin was crowned champion. So um, he got a lot of eyeballs then. He's almost like one of the, the original, not the original, but the, 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 the big box that came in and actually got involved with some of the work. But it'll be interesting to see Double or Nothing, how it pans out. I hope they, they do a good job. Like we, I think we're both in the boat of not trying to penalise them too much because it's really difficult and challenging times. That said... I'm going to be paying for this pay-per-view, so I want to get my fucking money's worth. <laughs> and how much is that sending you back? I can't even remember now. It might have been 20, which, you know, is... UK pounds or dollars? Well, I'll tell you what. One thing with Fight, it says $20, and it always bills me £20. I need to email them and ask what's going on. Because if that's the yeah, case... Yeah, that's double bubble. That's the, I know. You know. <laughs> if that's the case... That's I'll, not good conversion rate. No, I'm getting screwed out of that. So I need to have a word of him about that because it definitely says 9 or 10 or $20 or $19.99 on the, on the page. And then when it goes through to bill it, it always comes out of 20 UK pounds. So we'll see. But um, Maybe they give you some credit back and, you know, you spend it on other pay-per-views. Yeah, I've got about 16 credits, which is like... $16 or pounds. I'm not far away from getting a free one at this stage, but keep plugging away at it. Anyway, that'll be it. I'll be back next week. Paper, are you coming back next week for Double or Nothing, barring a, 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 an appendix that nearly burst that I had the other week? I'll be there, even with a burst appendix. Oh, he's put, I'll tell you what, actually. I did, I've worked it out. When the appendix started playing up, I did a, a podcast for Idle Game Chat, and I did several workouts during that week whilst i was with appendicitis so cool don't keep fit that's the moral of the story there no shouldn't do because it probably made it worse <laughs> so that wasn't that was not a good idea but anyway we'll see you next week next friday with some recap and thoughts of double or nothing paper as usual pleasure to have you on 
thanks for giving up your time for these uh, these listeners who absolutely love hearing your expert opinions and, and breakdowns of the pro wrestling world. And uh, we'll be back next Friday. So nothing more for us to say apart from thanks for your time and ta-da. This was a Dimp Digital production.